This is Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Ah, Mr. El Capitano. You knew it was coming, buddy. You knew it was coming. Yeah, I set myself up for that failure. How's it going, Kyle? Awesome. Episode 131 with none other than uh, the amazing Julie McQueen, president of Carbon TV. Uh, Julie's been on the show before, and uh, I got to sit down and chat with her again. And uh, always a pleasure to talk hunting, talk the hunt space, uh, um, I guess, influencer world with her. Um, man, she's running an empire over there. She's got all the big names on Carbon TV, and it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, absolute powerhouse in the outdoor world. And if if you don't know who she is, look her up and look up Carbon TV because she's she's been changing the game the past few years at at such a young age and what she's been accomplishing. It's it's quite incredible. I you know I'm I'm envious of her. She's she's someone to look up to, and yeah, she's killing it. Super cool. So they've got so many streaming channels on there now, um, completely free, no charge. Um, great programming. They got a bunch of really, um, really interesting shows on there. Lots of uh, diversity. So you know, tons of uh, women on there doing amazing things in the outdoor space. And it's not just hunting either. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff they got going on. So they've branched out into a whole bunch of other areas that are of interest, like adventure sports. Uh, we had Laura Zare on before, and, and super cool uh, individual. And you know, not a your token hunter, I guess you would 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 classify her, um, but nonetheless, super super interesting and um, and yeah, um, just really really cool shows on the on the platform. Aviation now they've got podcasts, everything. There's really no limit. Yeah, n- n- never ends. Every time you turn a corner, turn a page, there's something new on Carbon TV, and you have to love it. Yeah. Uh, so Julie is, uh, you know, it's really interesting to talk to her. We talk about business. We talk about how she stays focused and grounded and, and uh, yeah, super interesting conversation about, you know, how she kind of keeps, uh, you know, she was running this massive company, uh, tons of people looking to her for guidance and support and how she sort of keeps an even keel and, and that aspect of it talks a lot about her meditation um, and about just her healing and self-help and how she, you know, keeps, um, keeps balanced on how the outdoors does it for us. So really, really cool podcast and really enjoyed this chat with her way different than our first chat. We just talked about different things. Um, but you know, of course we came back to the outdoor space and talked about what she's got planned for hunting this year and what's, uh, what's on the agenda for her. So real cool podcast. All right on. Well, we got something on the agenda coming up too. That's uh pretty important. I would say the inaugural Mountain Monarch Golf Tournament coming up June 16th and 17th in the Bighorn Golf and Country Club in Kamloops. Is it going to be hosted by El Capitano, El Jefe? Oh, I think I've been roped into something else down in North Dakota, I believe. Oh, right. You're going to chapter and affiliate. So, uh, so you're going to be stuck with Mr. Michael Survey, and uh, and really the guy leading this uh, is Director Greg Nalloweg. So Greg's doing a great job. He's actually... Uh, through his own business, runs a, a charity golf tournament every year, does a great job of it. And this was his vision when he came on the board. He said, I want to do a golf tournament in Kamloops. And um, he's worked really hard on it. It's really cool. They got a ton of sponsors. Um, 
it's a relatively inexpensive. 150 bucks gets you a uh, round of golf. There's tons of prizes, um, tons of giveaways. Uh, of course, we got all kinds of sponsors, and um, of course, you got bragging rights. And you're going to be on the golf course. You're going to be uh, get your driver out. And you're going to be looking at bighorn sheep while you're doing it. I, I, there's a couple guys that told me that they're going to get on the golf course. They're not even taking clubs. They're going to take their binoculars and a case of beer, and they're going to sit there and drink beer and look at sheep. And that's all they're doing. So um, you can't go wrong, right? You just can't. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, you're not playing through on that course. So you got to wait for the sheep to pass. It's uh, yeah. It's it's quite the unique spot there, right? Tuck, tucked into the mountains and Kamloops. And the sheep are, they literally, they live on the course. They're right there. You got big rams, you got ewes, you got lambs. Every, everything's there, and they're there in numbers. And, you know, to not see them there is quite rare. So it's it's unique. It's a wild sheep society, a BC golf tournament. And there are sheep on the course. And there's going to be good times. There's going to be drinks. Each hole sponsored. Giveaways. You name it, we got it it's it's going to be uh i think it's going to be a staple of the society for years to come yeah super cool i think frontiersman gear conservation partner they bought a foursome and they had a vacancy and they gave away they did uh some sort of promotion and they gave away one of the spots in that foursome so one lucky guy who's uh, won the promotion is going to be on that so that'll be a, a ton of laughs agostino is going to be out there um, whacking around and it's going to be pretty funny. So, um, super cool. And, uh, unfortunately I'd love to be there too. And I would have been there, but if, um, like you were committed to, uh, chapter and affiliates down in South Dakota. So we're going to miss this one, but we'll have to get them to switch it for future years to make sure that we can be part of it. Yeah. So if you're, uh, you're looking to join the, the golf teams there and have a good time, go to our website, www.wildsheepsociety.com forward slash golf and register and you know see the team in uh Kamloops. uh a really cool thing that greg's doing here this year too is there's the whiskey tasting so we got our chadwick we're sold out of the chadwick now um we had our special run of uh, single malt whiskey which is highly uh people addictive. love it i love it yeah it's freaking addictive I got three bottles staring me down right here right now. I bought a bunch of them. Uh, but Greg's doing a whiskey tasting too, so you can sign up for that. I think it's a, is it 100 bucks for the whiskey tasting, Greg? Um, uh, I'm, I'm not 100% on that. The, the, I think it was yeah. 100 bucks. yeah. Yeah, so sign up for that. And yeah, it's a hundred bucks, and you get four to six ounces of premium whiskey. Chadwick's going to be there, and other stuff too. And it's um, it's just going to be a great event. And it's our wild sheep family. Um, all our, our major conservation partners are going to be part of this event. Um, tons of giveaways, tons of prizes. We're going to have some raffles, um, and it's just going to be a class act. So, get involved. Um, yeah. What awesome. else we got? I think that's uh, that's all we got right now on the go. Oh, the gun raffle. We got a six gun super raffle. What are we talking about here? Those yeah, the key, yeah, they're doing well. We're over. We're close to 40% sold out now. But the key takeaway here is we've got an early bird raffle um, draw, and we're going to draw that on June 24th. So you got to get that ticket to get all get a chance to win all six of those rifles. So you put your you buy your ticket, it's 50 bucks, and you get six cracks to win $54,000 in prizes. Grand prize is a Gunworks Climber. Um, absolutely beautiful, beautiful setup. And then five other rifles, and we're doing the early bird on June 24th in Comox. So 
<laughs> You're distracted, buddy. <laughs> June 24th in Comox. So make sure you get your raffle tickets. And with that, we're off to episode 131 with Julie McQueen, President Carbon TV. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Precision Optics. Thank you, Sitka Gear and Precision Optics, for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. Hey, Julie, welcome back to Talk is Sheep. It's awesome to reconnect after a while. I know. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's been a while since we've caught up. It has been. We were trying to put something together for Sheep Week, and I know, I think you had a wedding to go to. There was something else going on that week that you couldn't make it, and we tried to make shot work, and I wasn't going to shot, so thank you for (laughs) that. I know, that time of year gets a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. one of our our people here at Carbon was getting married, so I had to skip Sheep Week this year. Okay, well, that's a good excuse, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> awesome okay well we'll do uh, a podcast at the booth that'll be fun we'll we'll tee something up for for sheep week love so. it awesome. yeah definitely good okay so let's talk about the show uh about the show season so it's uh i'm just slowly starting to recover now um how about you was it crazy for you guys or was it was it what like for it's you? always crazy but you know it's a good kind of crazy i i would much rather it be that way than the opposite um, it's, it's busy for us because, um, carbon TV is the official video streaming partner for a lot of the shows. So, you know, we put a lot of work in on the marketing side, we work with their teams and then we open up our network so that they can get all that video content out there to everybody. So yeah, it's, it's the good kind of busy, the kind of thing we want to be going on. So with that video streaming partnership, talk a little bit about that. I've seen with Western Hunt Expo, you guys were their official streaming partner. Mm-hmm. Um, what's involved with that? What are the benefits? Um, is it getting the word out? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So the way that all came about was um, a few years ago, SHOT Show, the NSSF, reached out. And you know, I have a longtime you know, partnership with them just personally over the years in the industry. And, you know, they had been uploading all of that content that's created during the week of SHOT Show to YouTube, uh, which is fine. But, you know, due to the nature of the industry that we're in, um, you know, sometimes there's censorship and people can't really find the videos very easily. So we became the solution for them uh, on that side of things. So we um, have our team on call during the week of SHOT Show. Same thing with Expo. So any video content that's being created by their teams on site, we are on call, we open everything up for them. We, um, we make sure that we're assisting with marketing and promotion and pushing that out to our audience. So people can kind of live vicariously through that content. You know, anyone who can't make the shows and who can't be there that year, um, they can come to Carbon and kind of get a glimpse of everything that's going on. And, you know, they don't have to deal with the, the censorship when you work with us. So kind of a win-win for everyone. Awesome. Yeah, very cool. So with that, is it, uh, I guess, it, is it kind of live? Stri- Obviously, it's resident on the site, but do you guys do live stuff too, or how does that work? Yeah, we do a little bit of live, um, but I would say for the most part, it's produced and then really quickly turned around. So it's almost live. Uh, the reason why, I think the biggest reason why we don't do a lot of live broadcasts is just bandwidth for them. You know, a lot of times, I don't know if you've ever tried to make a phone call from the convention center at SHOT Show, but the, the service there, I wouldn't call it great. Uh, so instead of them, you know, using all of that up to live stream, they actually have a team on site, they produce it, you know, SHOT Show TV, and then all of the, you know, the booths and behind the scenes. And then as their team is editing that, they're just constantly uploading to, to our system. So it's almost live, but, but not quite. 
Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on with you. So um, I know you've been doing lots of stuff outdoors, getting out and doing your thing. Um, do you have plans for hunts this year? What's, uh, what does your spring look like? I yeah. Guess? You know, I, I used to get to go hunt a lot more than I, than I do now. Um, I did go, I did get out a little bit for turkey season already. I'm in Michigan. That's where our carbon headquarters is at. So did that. It was a little cold to be honest. So I'm holding out for, for a little bit of time until it warms up. Uh, but morel season's coming up and I'm a fanatic for mushroom hunting. So definitely making some plans to, um, you know, call in sick and <laughs> go, go hit the woods <laughs> and look for some morels. Uh, and then, yeah, the fall season should be good too. You know, I, I have one elk hunt booked. Um, and then, you know, instead of booking as many hunts as I used to, um, I kind of just play it by ear, you know, see what comes up and see if I can get away from the office long enough to go. But yeah, it should be a really good year. I'm excited. Awesome. So nothing for spring bear or anything like that, or just, yeah, uh, you, you got enough. Actually on your I do. I I'm supposed to have plans with Jana for spring bear if she doesn't cancel on me, which, you know, I hope she listens to this and hears me calling her out, but yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to go to go hunt with Jana a little bit this spring bear season. So that'll be fun. Anytime we get in the woods together, it's, it's always a good time. Very yeah. cool. So when you guys go, when you get out with Jana, are you guys going exclusively Montana? Does she bounce around to other states too? Or how does that work with her and her show? Yeah, she, she bounces around to other states. Um, she, you know, she's really big into bear hunting in Idaho. So she runs baits over there and which is really an eye opening experience to see somebody put that much work in. Um, you know, it's, it, she, she writes a column for, you know, one of the bear magazines and, and really kind of helps spread the the word on the educational side of, of baiting, how it works, what the regulations are, and how much work goes into that. So I've seen her strap one of those barrels onto her pack and just like hike in a few miles to her spot. And and it's not like they just show up and, and sit there and wait for a bear to come in. It's, it's you know, a lot of work. So I kind of want to see it in person for myself. You know, I, I, get the, I get the phone call when she has success and, and I kind of get to kind of see it but this year i want to go with her and experience it very cool so would when a, a situation like that would you be on an, like a tree stand with your bow would you have a tag or are you just going to be there to, to experience um so instead of a bow um i think she wants me to try to shoot one with a pistol which is something she's really into and you know she's again you know i'm kind of her biggest cheerleader because she is one of my closest well she's my closest friend um you know bear hunting with a pistol can be, you know, really thrilling. And especially in close proximity like that, where you're baiting them in, and then it just adds a new level of challenge. Um, so I think she wants me to, to attempt that. And I would be totally in. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely go for that. Very cool. So you, this would be something you guys would probably televise to be what oh, part of her, one of her shows. Oh yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. If I, if I go out there, we'll have, we'll have it on camera for sure, which is very, exciting. very yeah. cool. So on that note, do you ever just get out without the camera and doing your own thing? And what's the hunting experience like on versus off camera for you? And do you have a preference or do you really care? Yeah. So, you know, the first, um, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, I've been, I've been kind of, well, working in the outdoor industry since the early 2000s. And, you know, for the 
mo- the majority of that, everything I did had to be on camera. Um, I've had, you know, three or four different shows over the years. And, you know, there's, you, it, that comes with obligation of having a cameraman with you all the time. So I actually shot um, about four years ago, one of the only deer I've ever killed off camera. Um, and it was just a whole new experience. It was, you know, just me. And I had a, you know, a guide, but he wasn't with me when I shot the the deer. He was over a little ways. And, um, and I remember after, you know, I shot it with my bow and we were covering it and it didn't go very far. And it was just a whole new experience. You know, I didn't have to make sure that the camera was on. I didn't have to make sure that another person was kind of, you know, ready for me to pull that trigger. So yeah, I've started doing more of that now at this point in my career. I'm, I still have a show, but I, I don't have that type of show where I have to, you know, have to do that. Now, with that being said, the one thing that, um, that I would miss if I didn't always have those cameras on is, you know, going back and reliving that moment is kind of nice. Um, or seeing your shot placement, you know, we've always, we've, we've all had that where you're kind of like, okay, but where exactly did it hit? And you go replay it in slow motion a few times. And um, yeah, so there's pros and cons. I really enjoy being on my own in the field at this point. I'm kind of a little more private than I used to be. Uh, But yeah, any opportunity to go, you know, be on camera with with Jana or something, it's great. Sounds like fun. Sounds like an exciting episode too. Um, a couple of a couple of ladies out there with pistols chasing bears around. Sounds exciting. Yeah, so. yeah. I think it'll be really fun. Hopefully, hopefully we make it happen. I think we will. Really cool. So I guess that's got to happen pretty soon. Is it uh, like for us in BC here? The season ends in June, so that's not much time left. Eh? Yeah, yeah. I I need to actually. I'm going to see her this coming weekend. So hopefully we, we okay. get a plan on the books have some dialogue yeah. about it. Cool. Yeah. So let's jump into that. So I, I was going to talk about it at some point, but I think this is as good a time as any is. So Jana and John just, they, he popped the question recently. So were you there for that? I wasn't, I wasn't there for the moment when he proposed, but I was okay. her first phone call. So, um, and I, I definitely cried like multiple times because I just, I love seeing her happy and I love seeing them happy. They're such a good couple. And you know, she's someone that I just, I love dearly. And we've grown up together over the past, you know, over a decade. And um, yeah, so I, I wasn't actually there for the proposal, but yep, they, they are getting married. They're getting married in June, late June. Ah, mm-hmm. Like, like in six weeks. Or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Okay. That's a power awesome. Couple, huh? Very They're the best. I, it, it is for sure. Well, it was funny. Cause I seen, I, I was your social or something you posted and I'm like, were you there for that? Were you part of that process? I wasn't quite sure what the deal <laughs> well, was. You never so. know. I mean, we're, yeah. we're always together. So, yep. No, I wasn't invited for the actual proposal, though. Maybe, yeah. Okay. Maybe, yeah. But I'll be there for Too the bad. Wedding, So. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about, um, uh, you know, last time we had you on, we talked about women and hunting and, and uh, the inclusivity part of it. Um, you know, you look on Carbon TV and you guys have got does such a great job. There's so many uh, women out there doing so many great things and, and just all over the map, not just hunting, you know, the whole gamut of it. Um, let's talk a little bit. Have we done enough? Are we where we need to be? Do Is it an even playing field these days or how does that look in your eyes? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't even, I don't even know if it needs to be an even playing field, but I think that 
um, we've gotten to, I believe we've gotten to a point in this industry or community um, or even in this business where women have opportunities, you know, they have a lot of support systems around them. They have, um, you know, all of the tools necessary to succeed if this is what they really want to be a part of. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, women's only, you know, courses and camps and experiences, and you can kind of build a really great community around yourself of other females who enjoy, you know, doing the same thing. Um, yeah, I, we've added a lot of female driven content to the network over the past few years. Um, I'm very passionate about that. A lot of my girlfriends, you know, have been doing this for a very long time, and they're very, very talented. And it's just really wonderful to provide that opportunity to get them the distribution that they deserve. Um, you know, in, in, in the past, um, I think there's been a lot of women who have wanted to move into making a business out of this in some way. Um, but they, you know, maybe they were unsure. They didn't have the right people around them. Um, not sure, but yeah, I, I think that instead of an even playing field, I think that we've gotten to a point where women are very highly respected and not just in, creating content. There's a lot of women who run major companies in this industry who are, you know, very, um, very well respected as, you know, marketing directors and, you know, running, running really big businesses. So I'm proud of that. I think that's absolutely incredible. Uh, it's great to see. So now, you know, I, I look at, you know, you look at lines of equipment and gear and stuff, and it's really tailored to, you know, for the general, generally mostly men, uh, are we seeing a bit of an evolution there? Have we done enough in in that space? Um, you know, you talked about you know yourself in in a role as the president of Carbon TV. You've done such a great job of including women. Are we seeing more women, like you know, for gear and that sort of stuff, running companies that are being more inclusive of women? What what's your feel on that? Yeah, I feel like it made that jump quite a few years ago. Um, so as a woman who, I mean, I still hunt, spend a lot of time outside adventuring, even not just hunting, fishing and, you know, just traveling, spending time in the outdoors. I don't really remember a time recently where I was looking for something specific and couldn't find it because I was a woman. You know, there it's not like you sit online and go, like, oh, man, if only they made this, you know, that I could use as a female. I just don't, I don't think... That's not, that hasn't been my experience of that. Um, you know, there's been a lot of the, you know, for example, clothing, um, you know, a lot of them have specifically started um, gearing towards women. They know that women spend money. We, you know, have a big community who, you know, if one of my girlfriends loves a product, I'm definitely going to put my thoughts into it and to, into buying the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I feel like a lot of, you know, as far as the retail side and the, the product side, um, over the years, you know, they've, they've done a great job of including women and not just, you know, not just your standard, you know, female, you know, that, that you would assume is going to be outside. You know, it's very inclusive of different ages, you know, young, um, younger females, older females, different sizes, different needs. So, yeah, I, I'm, I think it's been really great as far as that goes. Right on. So now if we just look at, you know, the average young lady that wants to, or average woman, like, let's not be exclusive of age even, that wants to get into the hunt space. They just want to go on a hunt. 
Um, you know, one thing I'm noticing in our own community, like uh, the wild sheep world um, and in BC here in particular, we just don't get as many women to the shows. It tends to be very male-driven, very dominant. We're trying to be more inclusive, trying to create a space for women where they there's interest and stuff, but we just still don't. And even, you know, somebody said to me, well, you know, your auction items, it's all for men. But the problem is, is we'll bring stuff in for women, and then you know I think we're missing the mark because it's it doesn't do vote well. We barely make market value for it or whatever we need to do. So, um, but are you finding you know it's much better? It's easier. Like women can get out and do it, um, be out in the space now, or is it still? Are there still barriers to entry for them? Um, you know, if there are any barriers to entry, I would say that that's on a granular level. Um, you know, maybe some women don't feel like they can attend the shows and feel comfortable. You know, I can understand the intimidation factor there, especially in a male dominated industry or, or community. Um, you know, you could get into something like that where some women may not feel like they're included or that they would be comfortable, you know, going and exploring these shows. Um, you know, but for example, we do the, um, we go to hunt expo every year and it's one of my, one of my favorites. All of my friends go there. All of my girlfriends go to that one. They put on a beautiful ladies luncheon. They make it affordable. They make it really fun. The way they organize it makes everyone feel very included. And, you know, Jana and I always have a table with all of our girlfriends and, you know, people we work with in the industry. And I think that that's a solid way to build community. And those women spend money. I mean, I was there this last year and they're like, they definitely did okay with those auction items, but I think it's because they make it fun and they make it interesting. And, um, and they also kind of um, have done a good job, not just at the one, not just at the one at Expo, but, you know, across the board, any of those that you go to, where when you walk in the door, you don't feel alienated. You know that these are other women who, you know, are all kind of curious about the same things and you want to be friends with each other. And there's no, um, you know, there's no animosity or, you know, jealousy. It's all just women kind of lifting each other up and forming communities. And, and it's just such a great way to, to build connections. Um, and, they, and then it snowballs from there. If these women go have a great time and they spend some money and they now they're connected to it, they will be back the next year. And then they will feel more comfortable going to maybe like the Friday night, you know, banquets or walking the show floor and experiencing that because now they feel like they're a part of that community instead of just kind of there by themselves. When you look at the different uh, platforms out there, like SCI has, a, you know, a program. Wild Sheep has a program. Uh, uh, there's a whole bunch of them out there. So, is there is there one that you see that's doing a really good job? You know, and obviously there's the show aspect, and you know that's that's one thing to go to a show and feel comfortable and inclusive, but to get out in the field and and feel that kind of aspect of it. Is there one that stands out or a program or something we can do a little bit differently that's a bit more inclusive that would encourage more people to get out there? Yeah. So one thing that I really like that I've seen coming up recently, I actually attended one of them um, last year. Some women are putting on um, camps that you, you go to. The one I went to is in Alaska. Tana Grando put it on. It was fabulous. And I actually went to the very first one that they ever did. And it's you know, it's 12 or 13 women who've never met each other and they take you on a float plane and dump you in the tundra for five or six days together, but it's educational. And, and she's not the only one doing that. I know of quite a few of them and, you know, they're, they're making it affordable considering what you get with that. Um, so 
the way I saw that is as a woman, if I, you know, have a budget and I really want to build community and go spend time outdoors, I'm much more likely to spend on an experience like that where I can build a community of other like-minded women and be educated and learn something and have that adventure. And then the next year I'll go take those skills and book a hunt, right? So I feel like that's a really nice stepping stone for the female community where, you know, you you pay X amount of dollars, but they they make it foolproof. You know, you show up and they kind of have you covered on the gear and the food and and you know the experience. And that's one thing that that I think has been really brilliant. You know, it's um I know quite a few women who've attended and it's it's basically the gateway. You know, now that you've done that, you know other women, you can reach out to them for advice, you can all kind of meet up at the shows together and say, Oh, are you going to Sheep Week? Yes, we're all going, right? So that to me has been has been great. And the best part is they're getting brands involved. So, you know, what, for example, Tana's doing is, you know, all of these brands are like, yeah, that's our, that's who we want to reach. So let us donate some product. Let us get involved and kind of help you make them more comfortable in the field. And then it just, now you've got the brand loyalty. So those women are going to go spend their money at those brands who donated to that event. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so when we look at our space, have we done enough to sort of future proof us? You know, there's kind of been this anti hunting sentiment that we've sort of had to deal with. And, you know, we've tried to, you know, increase inclusivity. Um, but have we done enough? And sort of where do we go from here? Like, where do we, where do we, when we look forward, um, is there more we need to do? Or are we in a pretty good space right now where we're at? I think there's always going to be more that we can do. Um, you know, but I, you know, you're really never going to know what those things are until you really deep dive into what's been done already, you know, learning from the past, knowing, you know, what could have been done differently or better. Um, but from where I sit and everything that I see is throughout this industry on a daily basis, I think that, um, I think the trajectory has been great. I think that, you know, um, all of the different conservation organizations, the foundations, they're all stepping up and really considering inclusive inclusivity. So not just for women, but for, you know, youth, for young people, for, you know, different ethnic backgrounds, right? So the Hispanic community, you know, like a lot of these things that, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, we weren't really considering it enough, um, but they've put programs in place and funding in place to really kind of move the ball in that direction. Um, and, and to me, that means somebody along the way was taking notes of, you know, okay, we need to be moving, moving over here because we can't just make it a, a boys club and have it, you know, have, have all of these other people feel alienated, like they can't be a part of what we're building. Um, I think it's been really great. Um, you know, from the, from the female perspective, uh, I can't think of very many things that, that I would, you know, take a time machine back four years and, and tell somebody to do differently. I feel like it's they've done a really good job throughout the whole industry. Yeah, but if we go back 20 years, there are a lot of things we've done over that, you know, 20 years ago that we we probably should have changed, you know, a long time ago. So it's interesting that we've we've taken note um so when we look at, you know, the recruitment stuff, there's so much conjecture about, you know, are we in a good space for uh where we need to be and there, there's kind of, you know, the old guard that's saying there's just too many people out there um, and I, I listened to a recent, I think it was a Rogan podcast talking about, you know, uh, we need these people, we need people to care about outdoors, the wildlife conservation, 
um, and hunting. Otherwise, we're going to lose it all. If we don't have people invested, if people just don't care, they're not going to protect it, right? So um, yeah, there might be more people out there we have to share the space with, but how do we look moving forward um, with regards to recruitment, retention, um, and that aspect of it? Right. Yeah, I know that some people are getting frustrated because I mean, let's face it, change is difficult for everyone, right? I mean, it's, uh, some people just resist it no matter what. And I was just having this conversation recently where I can remember, you know, five or eight years ago, driving to Idaho, for example, and just walking into Walmart and buying a tag over the counter for the unit that I wanted to hunt in, right? Not a problem. Just there you go, walk out the door that it's not that way anymore. And I'm not the only one really feeling like, okay, now we have all of these people who know that that secret right like it's it, it just that change is difficult because it's something i always really enjoyed doing and not just idaho but quite a few different states where you know it's not as easy to go um, participate in these hunts because there's so many people who also want to participate but with that being said it means we're doing a good job um, now it turns to the conversation of you know conservation and animal numbers and who's really keeping track of and who's who's really doing this for the right reasons. Who's saying okay, let's set the quotas at this for these reasons. And and I know there's a lot that goes in um, on the legislation side and on the the scientific and the data side. Um, but I think that the most important thing that we can do is be transparent in that messaging so that people don't get so frustrated and think we shouldn't be encouraging more people to start hunting. Um, the messaging is, is everything. So, you know, we talk about the three R's and recruitment and retention. Well, we want the young people to, to continue this, you know, this lifestyle that we're all working so hard to protect and maintain. Um, but that also means that with that comes, you know, the responsibility of managing the herd numbers and, you know, adjusting quotas when certain states can't handle that many hunters coming in from out of state. Um, but I think that conversation is always just going to be difficult because people resist change, you know, and, and I guess mm -hmm. speaking from experience, yeah, it gets frustrating. I mean, would I love to just walk into Walmart and I don't buy my own? Yeah. But I, I logged in at, you know, two in the morning when the tags went live and I sat there online waiting, waiting and didn't get the tag I wanted, but that's, you know, that's part of the deal and that's, you know, you have to play by the rules. So. Mm -hmm. So on that note, when we talk about state agencies, for example, um, and you hunt different states, uh, who's doing a good job and, and what needs to be done a little bit better on, on the state agency side of things in terms of messaging and, um, and I guess maybe inclusivity too, maybe a little bit as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, just from what I know, I think Utah probably does a really good job. And that's only because I hear a lot of people talking about it. It's not that knowledge doesn't come from me. That's not me doing the research and bringing that as like, oh, this is factual. But when people discuss it openly, that seems to be one state that people are pretty proud of what's going on there. Um, you know, Jana was the commissioner in Montana, you know, last year. So I got to hear a lot of, you know, the behind the scenes and legislation and the conversations, you know, that people were having about, you know, different things going on there. And I think that, um, I think that sometimes we can get, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's lazy or complacent, but instead of really, you know, attending the meetings, going to the, you know, the 
town council to the forums, right? And like really being a part of the conversation, we start reading things online or just gossiping with our friends. And then we don't really have the actual information, the real data or the real conversations that are having, that people are having. So um, I think anybody who has major complaints about any state, step number one is really do your own research and find out what conversations are really happening. there's kind of a little bit of a gap in the transparency. Sometimes it's difficult for a lot of people to understand what those conversations even mean for them. Um, so it's helpful to have, whether it's personalities or, you know, celebrities, Rogan's a good example, talking about that openly and kind of normalizing the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it that people don't understand. You know, the um, management numbers, um, you know, it, there's a lot of factors and then there's other other factors beyond the wildlife landscape you know there's just the, the general management of the, the the state that goes into it and politics a whole bunch of other things too mm, right yeah. So, yeah yeah for sure um okay let's let's talk about a little bit about what's going on with carbon tv and with you specifically so you know as president, um, how, how do you feel that you've changed the trajectory of the organization with regards to the content and, and what you guys share um, as a platform? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I, I am the president, but I have a team, you know, working with me. And that's the most important part of, part of being here is having people around me that share the same vision and can, can work towards it. Um, when I started, you know, kind of taking over the operations here, Um, You know, it was very much a hunting fishing network, uh, which is great. Like, don't get me wrong. That's still the primary, you know, side of the business. Um, But one of my main focuses was diversifying that content library. So instead of just hunting and fishing content, it's important for us to be more inclusive of, you know, other verticals that could have a crossover audience. So, um, you know, agriculture, farming, survival, aviation is a really big one. So people who tend to watch hunting or fishing shows also tend to watch a lot of these other types of shows as well. So that's one that's one thing that I've been really proud of. You know, we've grown our female audience through, um, you know, licensing more content that's female led. So a lot of women are creating incredible shows and we're trying to be in support of that too. As you said earlier, even that playing field a little bit. Um, but then also just kind of looking for content creators who are outside of the normal box, right? So people who are just out there creating something they're really proud of, who are telling a story. Um, yeah, so that's that's one thing that that we've really been focusing on over the years is, you know, how do we make Carbon TV a place where everybody wants to come consume content um, and they won't get bored? And, you know, we've really worked on our live cameras are great. So we have quite a few live cameras, uh, wildlife cams. The most popular one is the crush cam on Lee and Tiffany's place in Iowa. And, you know, it's just, it's such an educational thing. So a lot of people leave it running on their TV all day for their kids to watch so they can see the deer come in. You sometimes see the deer shed their antlers, see them regrowing their antlers. So yeah, we've really kind of focused on, on that side of things instead of just, you know, being a hunting and fishing network you know, thinking of all of the other people who might want to watch content here. Um, 
And then, yeah, just expanding over into, into new distribution. So, you know, Carbon TV is always free to watch. We don't ever charge people to no subscription. You don't have, you don't even have to sign in. <laughs> you don't have to give us your information if you don't want to. Um, it's better if you do, because the experience is a little different when you log in. Um, but we're on, you know, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon, Samsung TVs, pretty, I mean, really anywhere that you can stream television, Carbon TV is there. So we make it easy for people to find. How got, how much is uh, metrics, how much does that play a role in it? Obviously, you know, if nobody's watching a show, it's not going to do well. But uh, are you guys really data-driven with regards to that and, and, you know, listeners and demographics and that sort of stuff? How, how important is that and what you guys do? Very important. Yeah, and I do, you know, I do focus on the data and the analytics. It's one thing I enjoy is, you know, watching for patterns and understanding the audience and, and not just what they're watching, but how they're watching it. Um, you know, now... Uh, instead of just assuming that somebody is going to be watching a video on their phone, we know if they're watching on a TV. And so we can kind of track the different retention levels. So if somebody is streaming to a television in their living room, we assume they're going to watch a little bit longer than if they're watching on their tablet or their phone. Um, you know, and, and every major network, you know, watches pretty much the same types of, of data and analytics when it comes to that. And we try to cater to the audience in that way. So we know by adding short films and documentaries and, you know, really pushing those towards people who are watching on Roku, for example, that just kind of keeps them watching longer and more interested. So yeah, it's very much data driven, which is the fun of anything that's digital is, you know, that scientific data where we can dig into it and see, you know, exactly what's working and exactly what's not working. How do you guys adapt to sort of, cater yourself to the next best thing like you know you look at what's emerging where do we need to go how do we get need to get there is that something that you focus on do you have a team specifically that's trying to cultivate that but the next best thing how do you guys build that into your into your platform um very much a team effort you know everyone who who works here is very passionate about what we do they're very very intelligent very good at what they do in each of their different departments so when we sit down and we have like a you know a creative meeting and we're all just kind of throwing ideas around and really talking i think everyone here feels very safe you know kind of tossing ideas out there um it's a it's a workplace i'm really proud of the culture here where it's very um, you know, it's safe for you to say you have an idea. And, and if, if that idea works, then we're going to go for it. And if it doesn't, then it will probably step stone us to a different idea that does work. So, um, you know, overall, you know, I definitely, you know, try to focus on the, the vision, um, you know, the overall vision of the company, but I couldn't do it without everybody else here. You know, I come up with a lot of crazy ideas and they'll they'll be the first ones to tell me like no that's definitely not going to work you know but but that's the beauty of, of getting to work with this company is you know the sky's the limit we can really do anything we want and and we've kind of proven that over the past few years we've moved in some really cool new directions so on the creative side, is that something you guys, is that a weekly thing where you'll sit down and have a weekly creative meeting or is this a monthly thing or is it just, hey, I've got a great idea, let's get the team together and let's talk about it. How does it, or is it, 
is it organic too? Is it like, okay, hey, there's this person and they got a really wicked idea. What do you guys think? You know, how does that process work? Or is it, is it kind of all over the map depending on the circumstances? Kind of all over the map. Um, you know, we try to schedule some of those meetings out and we try to, you know, say, okay, everyone, you know, come to the office and we're going to sit around this table and, and these are the things we want to focus on. And then other times it happens very organically, um, just over across the room, Chris is sitting over there. He's our, you know, head creative designer and he's worked here way longer than I have. And he's you know, just a genius. And so sometimes it's just me walking through and telling him about a phone call I had. And then I sit down and we just kind of, you know, go over, okay, what could that mean in all of these different areas? So you know, I think just working with people you really trust and and respect, you know, where you can just toss ideas out. And, you know, it's not like we just try anything <laughs> that comes through the door, but we definitely, we whiteboard it, we structure it out. Is this something, you know, a direction that we want to move in? Um, but if it's little things, you know, just, you know, like a user experience update or trying out, testing out, you know, different ways to connect with the audience. Um, normally they just, they just run with it and and test out different things and then tell me how great it was after they've already implemented it, which is best. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so on the creative side, will you guys go out and actively like look for new content? Like, okay, I really like what this person's doing, and let you know, let's try and bring them in house, or or how does that uh, how does that process? Yeah, work? both ways. So we have a lot of content that comes in, you know, where people send us, you know, typically through the website, they'll send in a form that they want to be on Carbon TV with their content, and we have you know kind of a, a thing for them to fill out. And then um, Autumn, who is our director of operations here, she actively goes out looking as well. So she heads up what we call our new content acquisition team. Um, I still very much play a part in that because I just love, you know, seeing all of those different types of content that, that we can find. Um, but she controls that. So if she sees something and it's it would make sense for us and it's something we would really want to get behind and get excited about, she'll actually actively reach out to to that producer or to that person and say, you know, hey, can we set up a phone call? Julie wants to, you know, chat with you about whatever. So kind of both ways. Yeah. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, what, what, uh, what would you say has changed the most since you got involved with um, – carbon tv like in terms of our space like in terms of like if we look 20 years ago like there was like 100 bucks in 100 minutes or you know stuff like that like stuff that we now consider pretty distasteful and obviously would not just fly um what what evolutions have you seen in the last few years that have been pretty significant for you um i have seen that um people are starting to realize that their audience wants to feel like they're really there with them, right? So that kind of allowing people to live vicariously through this content that they're creating. And more and more people are becoming comfortable with that. Um, we see an example of that in social media on reels or on, you know, stories. If you're flipping through somebody's story on Instagram, you really kind of feel like you're there with them in that moment. If it's someone you like or enjoy following, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, I think that that real time exposure to um, to people in the field has become very popular. Um, it definitely wasn't like that. Even 10 years ago, you know, we were in the field, you know, I would produce an episode and it might be six or eight months before it ever saw the light of day. Now, if you do that, you know, people are like, okay, but I want to know how that hunt went that you, you know, that you were on or, um, 
even the companies that are sponsoring those shows, they have products they want out right now. They want that exposure in the moment. So, you know, there's been a big shift instead of the, the overly produced, you know, six months out, you know, edit fully edited. I feel like it's very much moving in a direction where people are trying to get it out more rapidly. Um, you know, we have a very easy backend system at Carbon where our producers can just upload things really quickly, um, get it out to their audience. They can push it live, you know, immediately if they almost immediately if they want to. Um, and our marketing team kind of jumps in and helps with, you know, promoting that for them. So just kind of the, the increase in the rapid pace of getting content out to people has been the biggest thing that I've, I've seen over the years and, and kind of the most necessary on both the, you know, the viewership side and the producer side, it's important to everybody to have pretty fast access. So would you say in a case like that, that production quality is not uh, such a focus, it doesn't be have to be highly edited, it just has to be, and, and is that, is that actually preferred because people like the authenticity of it or they're just more accepting of like, you know, they're just used to people walking around, taking video, whatever. And they don't really, if it's pretty good, they're pretty happy with yeah. it. What's your I think thoughts it's on both. that? I do. I think that it's, okay. it's more widely accepted, you know, instead of that era. I mean, it was when I was, you know, very, very much on the producer side, it was cinematography and you had to have slider shots and, you know, all of these these cool, you know, beautiful scenes that we were setting up and spending so much time on. And I think a lot of, there's still some of that, you know, and I don't think it'll ever fully go away, but I think that even the producers who are still doing a lot of that, they also understand that people are going to be very forgiving if the production value falls a little bit, but they get it a little bit faster. And that's just kind of the, the instant gratification society that we live in, you know? Right. Right. Um, in terms of content, like, uh, how about length of like when you know? And I look at Carbon TV. You guys have got you know short stuff, long stuff. What are you guys seeing? Are you seeing any emerging trends that that people want shorter and more concise films? And and like, where where's the cutoff? Like, is it going to be like a minute and a half? Is it going to be like uh, you know almost TikTok type stuff on the platform? What do you see that happening in the future? Yeah, you know the the short form content's very popular. We um, our producers can kind of decide if it's an episode or just a clip that they want to upload. Um, and the, you know, it gives their viewers a, a chance to kind of binge watch some of their content. If they, if, if you have, you know, five, you know, two minute clips, a lot of people will just keep watching the next one if we keep rep recommending it to them. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, the long form content is, is great too. Like I said, you know, if people are watching on their television through Roku or Apple TV and they, they want to sit down with the family and see a film or a documentary. And, you know, so we're, we're kind of just, you know, making sure that depending on what device or what app people are watching on, that they can find it really easily and, you know, kind of search for whatever they want. I know most people who are on their phones, they're looking for those, you know, one to four minute pieces of content. And so we, yeah, we're encouraging our producers to, to upload a little bit more of that as well. Very cool. So now when you look forward, like you've got, you know, the platform and Carbon TV and these different other platforms that you guys work with, do you see trends emerging there? Do you think, will Carbon TV look like it does today, five years from now? Or, or what is that? Do you see anything new emerging in the near future? Um, I think that we will always, you know, stay true to, you know, 
to who we have been this whole time as much as possible. But, you know, I'm also very realistic that we, we have to evolve and change and, and move things around a little bit. Um, just like any network, you know, just like any of them, uh, they're, they're constantly just making these small adaptations and changes and, and, you know, moving along with their audience. So, yeah, I would say Carbon TV is probably going to be very similar to, you know, to what it is now. Um, in five years, um, I hope it's very similar because I think what we're doing is is fantastic and such a, a cool service to provide to the world. You know, that's the way I look at it is we're providing a service for almost 300 producer partners to tell their stories to the world. And we're providing a free service for people to consume that content. So, you know, it's just I hope that we do stay that path. I would like I would like to see that, but I also know that we'll have to continue adding things into the business where, you know, if it's a, a different type of service or a different type of offering, um, you know, we're constantly looking for those. Uh, we did add one recently that's super interesting. Um, we're going to start allowing people to book their hunts or adventures right through the Carbon TV website. Um, it's gonna it's called Carbon TV Outfitter Services. And it's actually a partnership. So Outfitter Services is a, a booking company. And now when people are watching a show or an adventure or a hunt on Carbon, they can actually just click a button and go research the, you know, the outfitter or the guide or whoever it is and actually book it right there. Hmm, very yeah. cool. Um, so is this the first kind of test you've done with this? Or because, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of, other opportunities, like for example, buy this Sitka jacket, for example, or buy this shit. Well, I guess the Chevy experience—that's part of uh, part of the platform. But uh, can you do it in other? Have you done it in other parts of the the service as well? Uh, no, we've never done one like this before. So uh, we've offered like affiliate codes, or you know, we obviously you know we advertise for different companies. That is the monetization side of the business. Um, so if somebody clicks an ad, they can go make a purchase, you know, which is great. We want people to do that. We we select the advertisements that people see based on what we think our audience is going to want to consume. So, you know, probably not going to see like a Dove soap commercial popping up on carbon, right? Like I, I, that's not going to happen. But this is different. This isn't like an advertisement. This is an actual service where, you know, let's say you're watching Jana, you know, bear hunt and Saskatchewan and you're like, I've always wanted to do that. You just click it and you go right there and you can see, you know, not only just how much, you know, the hunt costs, but also a gear list, you know, if you need to know what you're going to need for that hunt and we can link back to, to anybody who's, who's interested. That's very cool. Love it. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. now, in terms of content on the platform and what you're seeing, one thing I'm seeing emerge a little bit in discussion about is not showing kill shots anymore. There's been a little bit more and more of leaning towards that lately. And, and now I'm hearing, you know, some conservation organizations are like, you know, they're not even going to show kill shots when they do their, you know, their reels and stuff like that. Have you guys had discussions about that? And have you guys been testing that on sort of feedback and that sort of stuff? Um, where do you guys kind of sit on that aspect of it? Uh, no, right now we are not considering removing kill shots. It's not something I right. feel we're at a point where we need to consider that. Uh, I do respect that, you know, that some, you know, organizations feel like it's not a good fit or if they're, you know, there's always reasons behind the scenes that typically aren't discussed in public, mm-hmm. which, you know, 
Yeah, I, I have heard a lot of people talking about that recently. Um, but nope, I have I don't have any intention of removing kill shots or um, I consider that. So my opinion may change on this, which I think, you know, if I if I find a reason to feel differently in the future, that's fine. But the way I feel right now is um, we haven't had any backlash, no you know, negative comments. We don't have people reaching out, um, not even antis, which, you know, knock on wood, we have a very clean, amazing user base here where, you know, that's not something that, that I feel like would be necessary. Um, I almost would categorize that as censorship. And that's not something that I believe in. I think that if it's fully legal and ethical and, you know, something that we are excited to share with the audience, we feel like our producers should have the the right to put that on there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, you've kind of talked about that before is that the, you don't have that censorship stuff that some of these other platforms have to worry about. And that's the uniqueness of what you guys do, right? Is that you don't have to worry about it. It's very yeah. cool. So, yeah, yeah. awesome. Um, let's talk about how do you see you yourself? Um, you know, you've empowered so many women in in our community on so many different levels, um, you know, in the business world. Um, I think you run a couple not-for-profits or you're involved with a couple not-for-profits. Um, you know, talk about that responsibility and, and how you see your role um, doing that. Yeah, it is a responsibility. I think that, you know, um, someone, you know, I'm 40 years old and I, I'm the CEO of, you know, a really awesome company in the industry. Um, so, it is my responsibility to make myself available to the upcoming generations. So if people need guidance or advice or any leadership, um, you know, I think that, you know, not only is it something I enjoy doing, but it's something that I I should be doing. Um, One of these days, you know, these, you know, 15 year olds or 20 year olds, they're going to come take our jobs. Right. And we need for them to be prepared and educated and ready and connected and encouraged. And I think that, you know, along the way over the years, I've met some really incredible people through that, where I just, you know, give out my contact information, um, specifically to young women who are really wanting to start working in the industry. Um, I'm very passionate about that. And I try to um, get on, well, I always give them my number, I get on the phone with them and just see, you know, how I can help, or maybe just, maybe they just want to have a conversation with somebody who's been there before. And, um, I, yeah, I've tried to work, you know, on some different boards over the years, making sure that I can, you know, use all of the knowledge that I've gathered here for some type of good. So, yeah, I think every, I think everyone should be mentoring, you know, younger people, whether that's, um, a lot of times when we talk about mentorship, it's in the field, right? So taking young people hunting or teaching young people how to shoot, it also crosses over into the corporate world. I should be mentoring people who maybe want to have a job in this industry someday. Can you talk a little bit? There were a couple not-for-profits that you were involved with. Are you still involved with them? And did you actually set one of them up? I remember you were a founder of one when we talked last. Um, the only one, it wasn't a not-for-profit. I um, founded a company called Unwind. It was kind of a sleep and meditation app. And we still have that have that business. It's not as much of a primary focus as, as Carbon is at this point. Um, but that could be the one you're thinking. But I also, um, okay. I sat on the board for... 
um, a company called Mend on the Move, and it empowers okay. and employs females who are coming out of abusive relationships, gives them a job, helps okay. them have, a, have income, and they build, they make jewelry and, you know, just wonderful organization. And then I was also on the board for Pass It On Outdoor Mentors. Um, Mike Christensen is the, is the president over there, and, and it's just a wonderful organization that gets hundreds and hundreds of kids out into the field every year for their first time, you know, shooting or hunting. Um, yeah, so I, I try to stay involved in a lot of those as much as possible. Um, I think I right. sat on those boards for, for a few years, and I moved off of them this year. Okay. Well, yeah, you're, you've got a little bit on your plate these days, yeah. right? So for yeah. sure. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's exactly, those were the two that I was thinking about. And then let's talk about Carbon Unwind. So um, is that your platform? Is it through Carbon or is that your personal one? Or is it, I guess, uh, in combination? Um, it was through Carbon. Yes. We, we actually started that at the beginning of 2020 when the pandemic hit and, you know, we weren't sure what was going to happen. So our entire team, switched over and started creating sleep stories, affirmations, meditations, kids content. Um, we created a beautiful app that has all of this content living on it. And um, instead of kind of staying focused on that, now that things are back in full swing, Carbon TV is growing so much, I have to pay more attention to that. Uh, we actually still, we still have Unwind. We um, license out that content to other um, sleep and meditation apps who maybe didn't invest as much into the um, the content side of their platforms. And so we assist with the content production. Okay. Yeah. Now, I know for you personally, meditation is a part of your regime. How important is that to, to what you do? So important. <laughs> like when you just said, <laughs> I need coffee. It's like, I, for me, if I if I don't meditate in the mornings, um, it's not that I couldn't function. It's just I function at a higher level if I take that time for myself. And sometimes it's just taking some deep breaths, doing breath work, or um, other times it's a you know an intense meditation where it's like you know I'm really trying to you know get my mind you know in a certain space. So yeah, and I recommend it to everybody, and and it doesn't mean that you have to meditate the same way everybody else does, right? I mean, you can, it's kind of open to whatever a person feels is going to, to be best for them. But just taking a few minutes for ourselves during the day and taking some deep breaths and um, kind of setting an intention is one of the best things you can do. Is this something you've always done, like from a, a young person, or is it something that you've kind of stepped into and evolved into over time? Uh, no, I, I did not always do it. Um, I got into it a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago, and um, and I noticed that the busier I became, the more time I needed to be meditating. <laughs> so instead of just doing five minutes in the morning, if I have a very intense day with like, all the phone calls and all the meetings, I'll sit there for you know, 15, 20 minutes and just you know, allow myself that time um, to kind of um, kind of clear my head a little bit, you know, just from all of the distractions in the world. And, um, and I always feel better afterwards. It doesn't mean that I'm always calm or, you know, <laughs> definitely not, you know, like always uh, running at 100%, but I do think it makes me a better person. Do you use your do you use the Calm app for that specifically, or do you use different platforms? So how does that work? I have about um, probably four or five different apps, and I kind of switch between them. Um, 
I think, you know, Ziva is one of the better ones. It's a little more expensive, you know, but she has a very cool strategy for, for learning meditation. Um, Calm is great. Headspace is great. I use ours. I use Unwind sometimes. Um, and then sometimes I just put a timer on, you know, with nothing at all. Just, you know, put, set an alarm on my phone, 15 minutes and just, you know, focus on intention. So when you do that, when you do 15 minutes and you just focus, does your mind wander? You're thinking, oh, but I got this appointment in 20 minutes or I've got this tomorrow. Or, are you able to clear your mind? So that's the thing. It's okay for your mind to to go to that and to think, you know, I mean, you can't shut your brain off. It's never going to work. I think that the practice comes when you bring it back from that. You know, you allow yourself to think about, oh, gosh, you know, when I finish this, I've got all these. Okay. And then bring it back and, you know, try to just be okay with everything as it is. Instead of, instead of imagining the conversations I'm going to have on those phone calls, I just understand I'm going to have some phone calls and it's all going to be fine. And, you know, just kind of, um, and I think that's what I mean by setting intention is just, you know, having that, you know, it's this, I'm in this moment right now, I can't control anything that's going to happen in the future. And I'm just going to be here in this place. And if my mind starts wondering, I just bring it right back. So do you find in your role as president, obviously everyone wants a piece at you. Your time is critical. You've got, I'm sure you have staff standing outside your door that want to talk to you right now. Um, how can you, is it hard to take that 15 minutes or half an hour or whatever you need in the day to say, I'm just going to focus on this and, and lock people out of your life for that time period? No, it's not hard at all. I wake up super early in the mornings and I yeah. meditate. I work out almost every single day. Um, fortunately for me, we have a gym in the office. So, you know, I'm, I'm usually here. I've got a meditation room in there as well. And, um, yeah, the, you know, it's really time management. I, you know, I wouldn't know what to do if I wasn't super busy. And, um, and my, my team, everyone who works here, they're very self-sufficient. So, you know, I set time to, to meet with them and to, you know, to work with them. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's, you know, it's a very manageable schedule, no worse than anybody else's. And I just, um, I just have to make sure that I'm, managing my time and using it wisely more than anything. Now, if you were to take one of those things, so you talk about working out, you talk about meditation, you talk about the stuff that you do in the outdoors, um, you you know, your personal time, if you took and you could only do one of those things and you're just like, okay, you literally can only do one thing, what would it be? What's the most important thing for you um, to sort of keep you engaged and on track and just re, you know, recage your your mind so that you're ready to go definitely time in the outdoors because it it combines the other two things in with it right so i mean if i'm outdoors it is kind of a meditation in itself right i mean i think everyone's kind of experienced that even if you wouldn't call it a meditation it's kind of you know along those same lines and you know it's the best way to stay healthy that fresh air and hiking around moving um yeah so if it if i had to eliminate those, I would just spend all my time outside because I would still get to check those boxes. Is Michigan pretty good for that? Like, you know, can you just step out and be in nature and sort of, you know, let go? You know, you talk about you're going to go out and hang out with Jana while you get on an airplane, you're going to fly to Montana. And yeah, you know, when you get there, it's going to be amazing, but it's a lot getting there. It's a lot getting back. Um, It's a lot of work, but can you do that at home in Michigan? Um, not as much, you know, I, I like it here. (laughs) You know, I came here because this is where the company is. Um, but the more time I've spent here, the more I like it. And, you know, 
banjo, my dog comes to work with me every day. And so we, we go and we find different places to walk and adventure. And, um, you know, there's some, there's some nice places here. And I, I have some places I can go on the weekends and go camping and, you know, go turkey hunting or look for morels. So, yeah, I mean, it's not quite Montana, honestly, but I've made the best of it. And I, I really like it here. The people are so nice and, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get more used to it. Um, okay. Let's, before we wrap up, let's talk a little bit about what's new with the platform. Uh, you know, any new shows you got on, um, let's chat about that stuff. Yeah. So lots of new shows. Um, you know, I know over the, since the beginning of the year, I think we've added um, maybe 15 new shows, which is, you know, pretty much on pace. We add about 40 or 50 shows a year. That's the, that's kind of the wow. pace that we go. Uh, we do offer podcasts now, which has gone really well. Um, it was just kind of a natural progression. Um, you know, most people come to Carbon to watch videos, but we thought, well, some people might want to listen to stuff here. So we built a podcast distribution network into the current infrastructure. So if you're watching Carbon, you can flip over and listen to podcasts, which is really great. Uh, so that's, that's kind of cool. Um, the team is working on kind of a full-on overall platform update. So the user experience is going to change a little. Things will look a little different. Um, a lot of new features. So yeah, it's, um, oh, and the other thing that we, we do is we have, you know, our global fast channel distribution now. So people in all of the other countries can always watch carbon TV everywhere, which has been really, really worldwide. Yeah. Like- I mean, we were already worldwide because, you know, if, if somebody in Germany, you know, is watching carbon TV, that's totally possible, but we moved into, um, instead of like on the AVOD side, we moved into connected TV distribution. So if somebody has uh, a TCL, you know, brand of television, for example, um, they can easily find Carbon TV on there. And it's just kind of preloaded into a lot of these different different places now. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, pitch me a couple shows. What are a couple shows that I need to check out? New ones that you got on the platform? Uh, let's see. So Christy Titus just launched her new, um, it's kind of like a reality vlog, which is really cool. It's called Our Wild Life. And I mean, we're, we're big Christy fans around here. Pursue the Wild does really well. Everyone loves it. She's a longtime friend of mine. Um, so now she's doing kind of like a behind the scenes vlog style of, you know, her and Yogi and the things that they're doing. That one's been really popular out of the gate. And one of the interesting ones that we added is a serpentine show. So it's snake hunters. I, I oh, yeah, wow. it's actually really cool. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the first one of its kind that I've ever seen. So we brought that one on about maybe a month and a half ago. And people love it. It's just something so wildly different and and interesting. And they really know what they're doing. So it's kind of educational. Um, that one's been that one's been really cool. Um, yeah, lots of and a lot of people are going into their new seasons right now, which is fun. So Decivilized, Laura Zara's show, is launching. I want to say next week, her season three. Um, and the cool thing about that one is um, she's focusing all on um, natural disasters survival. So people who survive a natural disaster, kind of going back and recapping what could you have done different? What can you do to prepare? You know, how can you kind of be ready for a lot of these disasters that happen? So that's going to be a very cool season. 
Awesome. I'd like to put you on the spot and ask you what your favorite uh, show is, but I'm not going to do that because I know you're friends with half your uh, half the people on Carbon TV. You might make some enemies out of it. So. <laughs> I love all of them. I do. We always have it playing on the TV here. And yeah, I just, you know, I have such big respect for all of them. And I think that comes from, you know, I, for year, so many years, um, I worked in production. I ran camera and, you know, I was line producing and field producing and, and I know how much work goes into it. And so when I see their final results and I see them really putting their heart and soul into it, it's just what an honor that we get to be a part of that. Yeah. Very cool. Cool. Um, all right. So anyone that wants to check out Carbon TV, how do they get involved? How do they, how can they sign Carbon up? Carbon TV is super easy to find anywhere on your phone, tablet, computer. CarbonTV.com is the easiest if you're just like surfing around. Um, if you have a Roku, um, Apple TV, if you have Amazon Fire Stick, um, a Samsung TV you just bought at Walmart, we're on there. So you just go in the search, look for Carbon TV, and then add it. So I did it on the Roku here in the office, and it took 10 seconds. So easy. Um, always, you know, free. We never ask you to sign in. You don't have to do anything, but just start watching immediately. And um, obviously, social media, you know, our team is very active on there, sharing a lot of what our producers are up to. So I think Instagram, it's Carbon TV Media is the name of it. And then Facebook, um, they're all over on there at Carbon TV. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Julie, for taking the time today and uh, appreciate all you do for our hunting space, our outdoor space, and, and for women and hunting, all that stuff. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me back on. Okay. And seriously, we're going to take you up at Sheep Week. We'll have you at the booth and do I will be there this there, year, so. I promise. Yeah. Awesome. Maybe we can meditate together. That would be great. I need I need some help. <laughs> we will do it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>